Welcome to episode number two of the One Golden Moments podcast. This is Justice Del Santos. Today we will be discussing the first five games of the season for Calman's basketball. And as opposed to me talking by myself for the first episode, I'm going to have the privilege of talking with Mr. Rory O'Toole, who also covers Calman's basketball with me. But first, MJ, hit us with that beat. So, after recording the first episode alone, it is my pleasure to introduce the Massimo of Moxie, the Sultan of Scrappy, a real first one in, last one out, lunch pail type of guy, a real hard worker, a real type that you want to bring home to mom. Yes. Mr. Rory O'Toole. Rory. How you doing? How you doing? Welcome to One Gold. All American bingo right there. So, we got five games to talk about. Yeah. Before we get into anything, I think we should just run through what happened in these first five games because there's definitely a lot to talk about in these first five games. So yeah. uh, Cal goes two and three, losses to Yale, St. John's and Temple, wins against Hampton and Santa Clara. They could be three and three, but the game against Detroit Mercy was canceled due to mm-hmm. the smoke. Apparently the smoke was so bad that it was seeping into the arena and it was actually smoky inside wow. the arena. Uh, one point about that loss to Yale Cal actually becomes the first team since the inception of the Pac-12 China game to lose the Pac-12 China game. And considering next year it's going to be two Pac-12 teams playing that game, they're probably going to be the last. So <laughs> not, it wasn't exactly the yeah. it wasn't exactly the best note to start on for this Cal team. But they are two and three. Uh, take that as you may. Well, who do you think had a worse performance in China last year? Versus last year, UCLA, Leangelo Ball stealing. I think it's hard. And the <laughs> national crisis, or us just embarrassing ourselves against Yale, which was more of a disgrace. Well, Cal lost the game, and UCLA lost three players, so there's a, yeah. there's a pretty big drop off between. But that them. was that was we're speaking to how bad they looked in that loss. Yeah, it was one game in the drop of a bucket, and then losing three players and. Who knows? Maybe if UCLA doesn't lose yeah. Jalen Hill, Cody Riley, that season goes pretty differently. But there's a lot of points that we can hit on in this first little podcast we're doing. What would you like to go through first? Let's talk about the man of the hour, Paris Austin. Paris Austin is changing this Oakland's team. own. Yes. Shout so, out. Through these five games, Paris Austin, Cal's leading scorer, mm-hmm. averaging 15.6 points, 4.2 rebounds, three assists even. I'd like to particularly point the attention to the 4.2 assists because watching that Cal team last year, there wasn't exactly someone who could distribute in that manner. Not at all. And, you know, you had Darius McNeil running the point last year, but Mm -hmm. he's even said it himself. He's more of a natural, a two-guard, more of a wing than someone who can, you know, get everybody involved. And even when you had someone like Don Coleman or even maybe Nick Hamilton trying to run the offense, you can tell that there was moments where... You know, if the other team was going on a run, there wasn't really anybody there to calm the waters. But Paris, he's someone that's been around the block a couple times. Yeah. The only upperclassman of the core rotation players. So he can sort of be that calm within the story. Exactly. Yeah. Now, he's really bringing a nice stable presence to this team where you actually feel like the offense might know what it's doing when Paris Austin has the ball. 
um, which is definitely an improvement from last season. Yeah. Um, I think his biggest thing has been the dribble penetration. He's opening up a lot of open shots on the wings. And then the corners and for cutters just by, you know, attracting two or three guys every time he dribbles in the paint because he's got a nice floater. He can draw a foul. He can't shoot. That's he, That was one of the big points that can't I brought shoot. up in my 10 observations points. Yeah. If you look at the most of the three-pointers that he's attempted this season have mm-hmm. been at the end of the shot clock. And in that 10 observations piece, I noted, I, I pulled up a clip where... There's about five seconds left on the shot clock. I believe they were playing Temple. He's in the corner. Yeah, I've seen that play. I think the defender knows that there's five. Even if the defender doesn't know that there's five seconds left, uh-huh. he's sagging off, and he's positioned in himself where he's forcing Paris to drive baseline. Yeah. Paris jacks up three, and he hits the three. But I think as the season goes along, and we all know that Pac-12 play is... Conference play in general is so, it's a completely different animal compared yeah. to non-conference play. I think teams are just going to sort of treat him not exactly like Ben Simmons, but just sort of give him like yeah. give him in two arms like to be like yeah. shoot and then if you don't shoot. I mean, that's like yeah, that's very easy to scout for for these teams. So that's going to be something to watch for this season, but as of now, it's working. Yeah. It's and working. I, and I think there's something to be said about, you know, there have been a lot of instances over these 5 games where the other team were going to run, and I'm thinking to myself, if this was last year's team, yeah, they're going to complete the comeback. Specifically in those games against Hampton and Santa Clara, yeah, that Which game was a real scare. I was at, I was a real scare. I was covering the game against Santa Clara. Like I was there, I was writing my recap on deadline, like <laughs> under deadline pressure. Yeah, and you know Santa Clara didn't score twelve until the twelve twenty eight margin or the twelve twenty eight mark. By the time they scored, Cal had like a 12-point lead. That lead was up to 16. I'm like, okay, Santa Clara only has one win coming into this. It's going to be a relatively easy one. Let me be prepared. I mean, it's Santa Clara. Yeah. <laughs> like, Can't stress that enough. Like, this is Santa Clara, guys. Yeah, this this is long are the days of Steve Nash. Yeah. I think it's worth noting that heading into this game, Santa Clara, aside from only having one win, they were the only team in the West Coast Conference. Note, the West Coast Conference, yeah. the team that's... The conference that constantly is the reason that St. Mary's is slighted. We'll get to them in a second. But one win, the only team without multiple wins, they cut that 16-point lead into one, and all signs point towards this team is going to come back. Yeah, Cal's going to lose this game. But I thought so. I think there's something to be said about even in the Hampton game where they cut, like where the Pirates cut it to seven, mm-hmm. and the Santa Clara game where the Broncos cut it to one. I think last year Cal doesn't win those games, and right now we're looking at an 0-5 yeah. team. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's like he's got that veteran presence that he's like, you know what, we got this, guys. I'll ride, we'll ride this, you know, stay calm. That's what you need on a team, and, like, we definitely didn't have that last season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been a big benefit having him on the floor. He's almost like a, another coach out there. So, yeah, I've been really impressed with Austin. In times when I get to go to the games, one thing I like to do is take a step back from the actual play and sort of watch body movement. And I th- or, and I think with Paris specifically, you can see that just him being on the floor is this very calming presence. Like when he's, say some say the other team scores a bucket yeah. and he's walking to the floor, he's like putting his hand down. It's like, stay calm. It's like, yeah. we got this. Like, we're going to run our set. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. But I think it was the first game 
of the season. It was the national anthem, and I was looking at Cal, and he sort of had his arm around. I think it was Jacob. And just mm. to see that in comparison to, like, what last year was, for him to, be, like, yeah, while he didn't play last year, he it's was huge. still in the locker room. And I think you could see some of that chemistry starting to manifest onto the court. Yeah. And I think if Cal's going to want to at least hit the double-digit win marker this year, like, they're going to consistently need him to be that type of leader. Yeah. Well, look at his minutes on the floor, 38, 35, 35, 29, 37. So, clearly the coaching staff is like, we need him out there as much as possible. And then when he got into foul trouble, I believe – I don't remember if it was the St. John's game or the Temple game, but it was sort of this conundrum. It's like, yeah. he's no longer the floor. Like, what's the move now? Yeah, you could see a little bit of panic. Yeah, you got to throw that. it to the hands of Darius McNeil once again. Yeah. So, while Paris is sort of the, the veteran presence, one of the, the freshmen, one of the younger mm-hmm. players on this team that's really impressed me so far is someone who I had the opportunity to speak with and write a feature on, Andre Kelly. Shout out, Dre. And... I think it's hard to understate just like how po- like poised and composed that he's looked in these first couple of games. Yeah. he's He almost has that same kind of feel that Paris Austin has, where it's like a stable guy's kind of thinking the game instead of, you know, reacting. So it's in a good way, not in a bad way. He's, he's very cognizant on the floor, and I like the way he plays. It's, a, it's calmness that you don't expect from a freshman. I remember in that, speaking of uh, reading body language, mm-hmm. I remember during that Yale game, you know, there was a, I think there was a trip to the line for Kelly that he missed, like a pair of free throws, and you could sort of see it, like, he was visibly frustrated yeah. in that he missed those free throws. And so, because of that, that was something that I wanted to monitor. I was, I was thinking, yeah. you know, how is this going to play out over the next couple games? Because there are going to be times when you go to the line, you miss a pair of free throws, and yeah. you got to get and you can't let that throw your game off. Yeah, And I think in those next four games, like he didn't really let the little stuff bother him as much, which to see him go from that, like that, such a small thing to develop, but to do it so quickly and to recognize yeah. it and to adapt, I think that's big going forward, and especially for a Cal team that's super young, to have yeah. someone like that on the floor. Yeah, I'd like to see him shoot, actually, a little bit more, because his field goal percentage right now is 67%. Yeah. 68%, so... I mean, go ahead. It's on limited amount of attempts, obviously, Um, and he takes smart shots. But I mean, on this team, we need all the offense we can get. So I'd like to see him be a little bit more aggressive, actually. Yeah, and just looking at the stats right now, he is uh, leading the starters with a field goal percentage of sixty-seven percent. But that only comes on about five attempts per game. Exactly. And you can tell that like he's quickly grown comfortable to like being down low, being a post player, and like nice little touch on those baby hooks. Even though he's only hitting, free, quote unquote, only hitting free throws at about like sixty-seven percent. Like yeah, just his not... arc on them is like something indicative of his ability to shoot, in my mind. Well, do you think using him in the post is the best use of his skills, or th- would you like to see him more at the top, of the key, or at the bows, kind of? It's, for me, facilitating. It, for me, bit. it's not even just a matter of the top of the key. I think that, well, to backtrack a little bit, I had the opportunity to uh, talk with Viking, mm-hmm. I believe, after the exhibition against Cal State East Bay, and I was yep. it was for that uh, feature on Andre, and he was saying that you don't get that many players that are six eight, weighing two fifty, that can shoot, that can facilitate, 
But so yeah. far, we haven't really seen him shoot nor facilitate. Yeah. So, to that point, but so I wonder if White King is kind of like has him on a short leash right now in regards to kind of being a bit more creative with the ball and with his shot selection. I think that can be just chalked up to him being a freshman. Yeah. Looking at the starting lineup, the only other freshman in that lineup is Matt Bradley's, and you have established. Mm-hmm. You have Suing, who was the team's second leading scorer last year. You have yeah. Paris, big time, um, big time player from Boise State, and then you have Darius, who set the program record for freshmen with threes in a season. So you have yeah. established options right there. Yeah, and I understand you need a post presence, especially with this undersized team. But I'd like to see a little bit more of a kind of like Draymond Green role for him going forward. Yeah. I think that's his best possible version. So, hopefully, Viking lets that happen in the next few games. That was actually one of the compare. Like you know, when those YouTube highlight videos get released, yeah, someone actually said, "Will he be Draymond Green at Cal?" Damn. And then spelled Draymond with like, yep, D R A Y M A N. That's <laughs> great. Like, they like Definitely Draymond? a Berkeley student. Yeah. Yeah, but he's yet to shoot a three. Uh, he's yet to, at least to my knowledge, lead them in a fast break situation. And yeah. Those are some things... Apart from that spin move. Yeah. I mean, that spin move, I felt like this is what Andre Kelly could be. Yeah. You know? This is like a glimpse of the like dynamic like offensive potential yeah. this guy has. This is going to sound like a very shameless plug, but for those of you who didn't read my 10 Observations article... We're all for shameless yeah. plugs. Oh, yeah. That's that, what we do here. That's the name of the game. Come on. But Come on. If you look, uh, the second clip that I include, it's sort of this pick and fade where... Darius tosses it to Kelly. Kelly mm. takes two hard steps to his left, then spins around the defender, lays it in. So d- nice. Doesn't draw the foul, but the amount of elegance that was in that play, I was thinking, yeah. Like when I saw that, like my first thought was like, "Ooh, that was disgusting." Yeah, that's when you're in the gym and everyone goes, "Ooh." Yeah, like if that was at Haas, like yeah. everybody would have been giving him the same reaction. Yeah. Whenever the same reaction as when Connor Vanover does anything. Yeah. Exactly. I think yeah. Connor Vanover has quickly become a fan favorite in less yeah. than like five Connor Vanover is a walking meme for sure, <laughs> for sure. Interesting to note on Vanover, aside from like sort of the status that he does get from being like this seven three anomaly, something like, at least in my knowledge, they haven't had in a long while. Is he the tallest player we've ever had? I don't know if he's the tallest player. Will that the OGs school me to that? Someone probably. Someone email know. us if there's been a guy who's like. Eight feet tall. That was here. <laughs> Someone probably get you on that, but he has been the only, at least to my knowledge, the only player to come off the bench and, and score in every single time he's been off the bench. Yeah. Granted, it's like five, four, five, four, and three, but he has caught. He has made a couple threes. Some alley oops. Some alley oops that I think Some very nice alley oops. Ones that send Haas into a frenzy every yeah. time it happens. Yeah. Then we just start doing. We just start like a, a van over like threes to oops counter. Yeah, honestly. Goes. But to get That's back to efficiency right there. That's Daryl Morey's dream right there. To get back to that point of Kelly, I would like to see I would like to see more threes. I would like mm-hmm. to see him have the ability to push the ball in transition. But I think the lack of transition play as a whole, aside from that Santa Clara game, it gets back to the point that Cal is one of the the slower teams in college yeah. basketball. Even yeah, they really are. Twelve teams. Yeah, and I think it kind of I think that's coming from the sidelines because the coaching staff is a little worried that the turnovers will pile up. Yeah. If we go, I mean, you saw in the Temple game. 
I don't know, we had 20-plus turnovers, right? I mean, it's a concern going forward. So I feel like to be a transition team, you kind of have to have confidence. Uh, the coaching staff has to have confidence in the you know team, and right now they just haven't really proven that they can take care of the ball well enough to get in that freewheeling kind of style. And the sets that they run aren't super complex. There's a lot of dribble handoffs, mm-hmm. a lot of screens that are more of like slips than actual screens where the defenders yeah. like where the the screeners like there and he's like putting his body on the line. So the offense is kind of set up in a way where, unless there's like an egregious mistake, it's a little more difficult to turn the ball over. Yeah. But my my sort of counter to that is that this team is super young, and it's also yeah. one of the more like athletic teams in the Pac-12. Like, you have Paris, someone like who mm. likes to get out of run, suing who can get out of run, Bradley, yeah. Kelly, McNeil, Harris Dyson, Gordon. Like, those are guys, like, when healthy, can yeah. get out and run. And I would like to, even if it might come at the sacrifice of turnovers, Yeah, I think it would be beneficial to just say, hey, like, once you get that defensive rebound, just go. Run. Especially because we're so slim on size right now that obviously we can't play, like, half court game against Arizona or Oregon or you know USC like so that's kind of got to be our strength actually going forward is kind of like getting some transition opportunities kind of make up for a lack of size yeah and I think there's I think once the ball gets into the half court and they start running their sets I think there's an obvious cap about cap on the amount of production they can get but when that ball is in the open floor and like and they allow yeah and they don't allow the defense to set, it's like things get a lot more interesting. And you just have the carryover effect of, like, you get a nice dunk or you, you see that ball go through. Like, it just does a lot for the confidence of, you know, the players on the floor that they can be, you know, more confident in their shot in those half-court sets, four or five possessions down the line. So, And one of the th- things about the offensive sets that they run is that there will be a lot of instances in which someone's kind of just standing around to the point where you forget that there's two other guys on the floor that you can go to. It'll, like, mm-hmm. be Darius this McNeil. weird... Be, yeah. <laughs> McNeil and, Kale, McNeil and yeah. Kelly have been, like, the... Not the beneficiaries of that, but you see there's a lot of instances where someone's just, like, chilling in the corner, just standing around, waiting, like, waving their hand when the defender, like, yeah. comes to help. I don't know if that's a matter of, like, they're just waiting for... Like, that's their assignment. Like, Y King says, I want you to chill on the wing and in the corner if that's just bad habits from last season. Because I, I honestly can't tell right now. Yeah. And I would like to see, especially with someone like McNeil, who at the Legends Classic, at least the the Brooklyn part of the Legends Classic, he was nailing catch-and-shoot threes. And I think oh, they, crazy. If, yeah. Like, I, don't, I think it would be beneficial to run some, like, horn sets where it's like they just get him coming off the screen and, like, turn and then shoot. Yeah. I saw that they ran one for Bradley against Santa Clara, so they definitely have it in the repertoire to run that for yeah. McNeil as well. And the hope is that, you know, as this team meshes a little more, as they play more games, mm-hmm. they'll start unleashing a little bit more of a, a complex offense. So we're currently at the uh, the 19-minute mark. Uh, Chantel, I, I've yet to have this conversation, actually, but I'm assuming that we're still within the confines of 20, 25 minutes. Uh, I've yet to have the argument with Chantel about giving you giving us more minutes. Yeah. Uh, Get me in, coach. Need more minutes. Yeah, I think we're just going to have to do the Shea Serrano method of just 
like constantly pestering to get like more like for him as the podcast yeah. for us to get more minutes. We want Joe Rogan minutes eventually, just like three hours and forty minutes. Gotta get know. Elon Musk to talk about the interest because he's exactly. In basketball. We'll get Van over in here. Yeah, just shout, kinda. yeah. Shout out to Chase Serrano. Yeah, but so Saturday, aside from the actual, uh, the real big game, Ink Bowl. Daily Cowboys, Stanford Daily, and then that other football game that so happens to occur on the same day. Yeah, not as important. Yeah, the 124th first uh, big game. At 7 o'clock, or 6 o'clock, in Moraga, about 20 minutes over will be Cal St. Mary's. Now, St. Mary's fans, aside from not having to commute to Cal, Mm -hmm. they will have... All game, all day to prepare for this game. Yeah, and you, everybody knows what I mean by prepare. Yeah, there's the name brand recognition that comes with Cal. In my view, aside from the St. John's game, this is probably Cal's biggest non-conference game. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting though that this is not the same St. Mary's team as last year. They had six losses all of last year. They already have four. They just lost to UC Irvine 80-75 last night. But mm-hmm. who they do have is baby Steph himself, Jordan Ford. Yes. And there was the article, baby my preview Steph. of my preview of that <laughs> game is, has actually yet to go up. Wow. But there was a no play pressure. last year where Ford was on suing. And Ford does this, so you'll probably see it on Saturday, but Ford's biggest move is like a hesitation to a crossover, but he just does it really well. Yeah. And when that initial move doesn't well, he just transitions into another hesitation to crossover. Yeah. He did that on suing, got right by him, and then did not one of those floaters. It was like one of those street ball floaters where it's like, yeah, sort of the, what like what the professor does when yeah. he doesn't like arc it. He kind of just like tosses it up. Yeah. and it happens to be a floater. <laughs> so they got baby Steph in the building, mm. a thirty-five hundred person gym, which is there's high schools bigger than that, but that place is gonna be that buzzing. place is loud. And when it's loud and when it's hot, that it feels like and a pressure cooker. A lot of Australians. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that means, but I just know it's a thing, guys. So this is gonna be my first time going <laughs> to that pavilion, and I'm actually I'm excited for it. Oh, you never been? I've never been. Wow. And uh, shout out to the boy Shaylin, the the incoming sports editor. There's a I actually had to tell him where I had to tell him that every time we go to Chick Fil A in Walnut Creek, we actually pass St. Mary's. He thought it was like an hour away. No. But I think I might just have to stop by Chick Fil A and get him a little get him a chicken yeah. sandwich on the way there. Shout out to Shaylin. But what, considering what you've seen in these five games, and considering this actually, both teams have a losing record coming into this game. I didn't yeah. realize that. But yeah, all things considered, what are your, what are you sort of looking for in that St. Mary's game, and what do you sort of want to see going forward? Aside, like even aside from that yeah. game, like what are some things you want to see improved upon? Um, I definitely want to see more ball movement on offense. I mean, we've seen the more improvement from last season, but you still get the sense, like you were talking about earlier, with the bad habits of guys just standing around, kind of waiting for their turn. We just need everyone, kind of if you don't have the ball set in screens, moving around, um, off-ball screens, cutting, all those kind of things, that's what I'd like to see. Um and the defense, sometimes you get the sense that uh, players like Suing and even McNeil sometimes fall asleep on that end. And St. Mary's is definitely a team that is very fundamentally sound and well coached. So if they see a defender, you know, kind of napping on defense, they're going to hit him with a backdoor cut or things of that nature. And 
it could get real bad real fast in an environment like St. Mary's. So, I think we didn't we didn't really talk about it that much on this particular podcast, and we'll probably talk about it more mm-hmm. as the season goes on. But I think for this team right now, the defense is more of a concern than the offense because I don't think they they've yet to establish like a true identity to who they want to be on defense because they'll run. Like, some sets they'll run man, and then some sets they'll run zone. It's kind of what... Or weird matchup kind of zone. Yeah. It's It's not exactly Washington in that they commit to it, but it's not exactly Utah in that they'll, like, run man for, like, the first 20 seconds and then switch over to a zone, so... Yeah. And then also the bigger thing with zone is that not only do you have to be fundamentally sound to run it, you also have to have people constantly communicating and the personnel for it. Yeah. And... And when you got all the underclassmen we have, yeah, it's uh, could go badly, could so, go really badly. So that's something that we'll be uh, sure to watch over in yeah. the next couple of games. Um, what's the next time we're going to record? We still got to pester over and getting know. this on a weekly basis. Yeah, I don't know. We're we're gonna figure out the the schedule for this. Yeah, it's a. I I would say ideally, like we get, like do this after like every like week. Yeah. So, like, the games don't pile on. We can talk about individual games a little yeah. more. But stay tuned for the schedule, and uh, be sure to follow us both on Twitter. I guess we'll we'll link our Twitters in the yeah uh, down below of the actual article. And, you know, make sure to read the written content, because that's what we were actually hiring for, not, yeah. to, not to talk about. Please read. <laughs> not to talk on the mic. Yeah, I know reading's boring, Support but it's Support print journalism. Yeah. We're also hosting a little fundraiser. Please... Don't be afraid to just support us as podcasters, support the entire Daily California as a whole, because yeah. we are independent from the university, and the more money that you provide with us, the more amazing people to do, like mm-hmm. this podcast. But until next time, I'm Justice, that's Rory, Peace. this has been the One Golden Moment Podcast, signing off.